0: I knew I wanted to renovate a house. So I was competing against all the flippers who were going in there and the banks back then, they literally just took the first offer. So you had to be fast, you had to go on scene. It was my first property, I was pretty scared.
1: You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hello, guys. It's Marcus Maloney. With this week's We Love Equity Real Estate Podcast show, we have Kenny Dayhill from right here in sunny Southwest Phoenix, Arizona. (laughs) He is a buy and hold investor that buys specifically in Tempe, Arizona. He has six units, six doors, and he is investing strategically for passive income. Um, again, he's been investing in Tempe, Arizona, and he got started in May of 2010. So just over nine years ago, um, he got started investing. Uh, he's a formal, former institutional developer, um, and he uses his passive income to allow him to work on his startup and be an entrepreneur who's launching a product that is called Burbs. So Kenny, 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 welcome to the show. Welcome to the listeners.
0: Marcus, thanks for having me on today.
1: Hey, man, it is my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Hey, guys, just so everyone know, we have a background. Me and Kenny met at a BP uh, weekend meetup and just kind of talking, we kind of hit it off. And um, I said, hey, this guy will have some knowledge and he can really share it with our listeners. So Kenny, uh, before we get started, man, give me a little bit more background about you. I know I probably didn't do you any justice, but uh, (laughs) share with the listeners who you are, what you're doing, and um, things of that nature.
0: Yeah, will do. Well, you gave a better introduction than I can typically do for myself, so thanks for that. So I'm born and raised in Tempe, Arizona. That's why I love it. And I I went down to University of Arizona, go Wildcats. And back in the day, back in the day, I wanted to go to school, get into real estate, get into commercial real estate. And I graduated in the, basically the best era ever for real estate. It was May of 2008. So I I realized (laughs) perfect timing for dreams to come true. Yep. Yep. So I realized at that point in time that, getting into commercial real estate wasn't going to happen it was going to be extremely tough i went through the commercial construction route where i worked for a small electrical contracting company here moved on to a local small general contractor eventually to a larger company called ryan companies worked on the biggest office project in arizona history so if anybody knows arizona if you go just north of asu the marina heights state farm project It was about a $800 million project. So that was pretty fun. And then from there I moved finally to my dream of becoming, getting into commercial real estate. And I spent a few years being a real estate developer on the West Coast. I worked on only industrial buildings from 20 million to your $200 million Amazon fulfillment
1: centers. And that was was a blast. That was a lot of fun. So, so you really took to the commercial real estate. So let me ask you, what was your real inspiration to get started in real estate? Great
0: question. So my dad, back when I was in high school, my dad ran a company and he took me out one day just to go look at office buildings for his company as they were getting ready to relocate. And I'll never forget this moment where we were and everything. And I was sitting in the car and I asked him, so dad, are you going to buy this building for your company? And he said, no, we just lease it. We pay somebody else to rent. And it dawned on me at that point. I was like, somebody pays somebody else to just stay there. Like that is what I want to do. Just have people pay me money. That is the dream. And that was, that was kind of the aha moment when I
1: realized I wanted to get into real estate. Okay. So that was your aha moment to say you wanted to get into real estate. Um, Normally with real estate investors and entrepreneurs uh, per se, they always have this, this dream down inside of them. And as a young kid, it starts to materialize. So tell me, what was your first business transaction as a child?
0: So I've got two. The okay. first wasn't, I don't know if you can call it a transaction, I just like this story. So I went to my dad's conference room one day on a weekend and I sat there, I was probably like four or five years old. And I sat at the head of the desk or head of the table. And I went person by person by person. Now understand, nobody's in this room. So it's literally okay. just me. And I go, You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> so at that point, I, I, was, I knew I was either destined to be the president or a real estate mogul. Okay. But I, so I've, I've always loved that business idea. I don't know if I've got that same mentality today. Uh, but my first transaction financially, my family still gives me a hard time. My grandparents used to come into town and they would always come from Utah, go to Vegas, gamble, and they come to Arizona. So I always knew grandma Patty had some nickels and dimes and yeah, quarters. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was about five years old and I told her I'll bring in a bag, a dollar per bag. So I got $3. I brought in all three bags and, to this day, 25, 30 years later, they still give me a hard time about you
1: know driving a hard bargain to that. <laughs> hey, well, that's good. I mean, you were learning your negotiation skills as, at an early age, so, and I'm pretty yeah, well, sure- Well, no he-
0: negotiation.
1: I told her it's a dollar per bag, no negotiation. There you go, there you go. So you drive a hard bargain, man. <laughs> So start somehow, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your first real estate transaction and the fir- your first purchase, and we're going to kind of dig into that. So what was that? Okay. What did it look like?
0: So I bought in May of two thousand and ten. I bought a single family home, and I did the what everybody now knows as a house hack. You move in it, you renovate it. I refied, and I had roommates at the time, so the idea was supplement my own rent.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I ended up buying this house out of 10, one through 10, it was a a 9.8. The only thing I could have done better was it was the all time low of housing values. Four to six months later was the all time low of interest rates and housing values. So I was so close, but you can never time it like that. And it's still a great, great opportunity. So I ended up buying this place. I was making I think $35,000 a year. So so let's
1: start here. How much did you purchase it for? So I bought it for $123,000. God and Tempe. You could never find that now. No. <laughs> yeah. And think about it, that was just 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So $123,000 um how, how did you structure it? Was it with hard money? Was it with traditional lending? So it was traditional through Fannie Mae.
0: Okay. But back in the day, it was so hard because I was competing. I knew I wanted to renovate a house. So I was competing against all the flippers who were going in there. And the banks back then, they literally just took the first offer. Okay. So you had to be fast. You had to go on scene. It was my first property. I was pretty scared, as anybody would be. Yep. So this one actually went through. An investor got it. I was upset a week later, it fell through because the roof needed to be replaced. Not now, but like in the next year or two. Okay. So I had to do, I think it was called a Fannie Mae home path mm-hmm. where I had a higher rate, but there wasn't any mortgage insurance because of yep. it uh, with the understanding that I had to, I had to burden the liability for the quality of the roof.
1: Okay. So $123,000, how much did you have to put down? Was it 1%, 2%? I forgot with Homepath, it It's really low.
0: Yeah, I think it was $3,500. So it's probably about four or
1: 5%. Okay. Okay. And you had to pay for the roof. And, and the key thing that I want, I want our listeners to hear is that you said you did it. You were scared. You didn't know kind of what you were doing, but you still did it anyway. Correct?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, so now you have this property. You're Were you a college student at the time or were you done with college? I was done with college and I was probably 23, 24, around that. So I okay. was two years out. Okay, so 23 years old, fresh out of college. Uh, you have $123,000 mortgage debt now. Um, you need a roof on the house. Kind of what was going through your mind, man? I have always wanted to renovate houses, but I
0: didn't know anything about how to renovate. And I've always made like little side projects. So I ended up just, it's kind of before YouTube was really, really big, but I bought this book. Oh, it's not, it's over there. But I got the Home Depot Home Improvement 123 book. And it was my Bible. I would just read it. The next task coming up, I ended up doing probably 60% renovations on my own, hiring out a few tasks, a tiling and cabinets, but all the demolition drywall painting. I did. Uh, Unfortunately, my tools got stolen in the middle of it. So I learned a lesson.
1: Don't keep your tools in the house. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's one of those tough lessons you have to learn. Yeah.
0: And I didn't have a truck to bring things back and forth. So it was, it was not possible uh, to leave or to take everything home with me every day. Okay, unfortunate lesson learned, but it's okay. Ryobi tools. If anybody knows where they're at, let me know.
1: (laughs) So, um, $123,000. You're renovating this house. How much do you think you put into it?
0: I think I put in about 15 to 20,000. I think I budgeted 15. I ended up spending 20 because, because my tools got stolen. My cousin was a handyman and I ended up hiring him to not only help me teach me but also to make sure I got done fast enough we had a my roommates and I we had a
1: lease that expired I had three months to get it all done done and moved out yeah okay all right so you're about 146, dollars $147,000 into it what was what was your mortgage note do you remember
0: oh man I paid I gotta be careful so my old roommates don't hear how much money I made on it (laughs) (laughs) Eric earmuffs so I I
1: think my mortgage was about nine twenty five. Okay. All right, nine twenty five, and and now this is the secret sauce. How many roommates and how much were they paying you? So it wasn't as great as it should have been. If I was smarter back
0: in the day, I only had two roommates. My okay. well three. So my brother and one of my best friends, and then our dog. So there, okay. she didn't do anything. She didn't pay rent, unfortunately. <laughs> And so, and each of them paid, I want to say it was 350 or 400 So, okay. I, I could have gone up more. We were all paying about that price before. So, we got a nicer house. And my idea was you take care of your friends. Yep. I would rather
1: know who these tenants are. And it worked out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you were living in there with them. It was a house hack. So, you yeah. were only paying about, you know, 125 bucks a month. Yeah, rent basically on your mortgage and your brother and your roommate was paying the rest. So kudos to you, man. That's, that's smart. Especially at 23 years old, you know, you're like, Hey, we got to have a place to stay instead of paying this landlord that we're currently paying. Hey guys, let's come together. And essentially you guys pay me and I'll put a roof over your head. Yeah. A new roof. Right, right. Exactly. A new roof. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, kind of rolling on. What was the next step after that? You know, after you start seeing, okay, the light bulb went on and Hey, I can make some money doing this. What, what was the next step? So it took me probably, I want to say two or three years after I bought the
0: house to get in and then I had to unwind for a little bit, but I was always trying to learn more about real estate. And the next thing I did was a refi cash out. Okay. And so my mortgage was what did I say nine twenty-five, somewhere around there. I ended up, in within two, three years, I refied The house it was appraised, I think, two twenty, two forty. Okay. So I ended up getting a new note for about one hundred and eighty, because you could take seventy-five percent of the value. Yep. Minus my previous debt, so I, I got seventy-five thousand dollars out of that deal,
1: which was enough for me to start looking for two new properties. Okay. So you basically used the burst strategy back in 2010 when not too many people were doing it. You know, so you put yeah. you put the money into it, did the renovations, you know, 20 grand renovations, and then 2 years later you ended up taking 75k out, using that money to go and buy two two other properties. All right. Smart man. So what are you doing? You got this $75,000. How are you finding these these next two properties? So I found my next two properties through MLS and it was a little bit
0: competitive. So the second one I got, it was the, it was a pure rental at that point. I found one and just happens to be the neighborhood directly South of me, which was convenient. Okay. Made an offer on that, fixed it up. This time I did, uh, I got more confidence of my abilities for renovation. Mm -hmm. So this time I did, I think everything inside the house is all me. The only thing I outsourced was the lawn care outside and redoing the yard. Cause I absolutely hate doing yard work.
1: Yeah. Especially in, in Phoenix when it's 120 oh. degrees. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not rocket science, Kenny. We know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I keep making the same mistake every time I buy a house, it's always in June or June through August and in Arizona, it's just with no AC, it is brutal to yep, start renovation.
1: Yep, yep, that time is is ridiculous. So you got this new new house, you did everything to it, and now were you going to house hack that one or were you just using that strictly for rental? That one was a
0: strict rental. Okay. It was a smaller house where I lived. I was already making, my girlfriend I think moved in with me at this point. We still had another another roommate. So I had a decent scenario going on there. Um, that house took me, I think three months to renovate it. Okay. So I would work my, I'd work during the day and then I would get home. I would get home about six o'clock, seven o'clock, go, go to the house and work till about 2am. And then I ate a lot of Wendy's because it was mm-hmm. the only thing open at
1: two thirty at night. Yep. Yep. Okay. What, how much did you, uh, how much did you pay for that one? Cause you said you found it on an MLS, um, What was your acquisition price on that one?
0: That was, I want to say it was 175, 172. Okay. Somewhere right around there. Okay.
1: That's, that's about right. And we're looking at 2012, 2013. Yeah, I think it was 2013. Yep. Yep. Okay. So 175 and, and how much did you put into that one?
0: So that one, I actually used a hard money loan at first so we I, I put down twenty five percent and then we were able to uh, excuse me actually i put twenty five percent when we got refied out. Uh, actually okay. had a hundred percent loan of value, which was nice yeah, uh, on the hard money loan so
1: so so, so before, before we get into those numbers, now, this is only your first house. How did you find out about hard money loans? you know kind of we can't gloss over that because I know a lot of people always yeah. say. Hey, there's no money. I, I don't have the money to do it. You know, yes, you get this cash out refi, but you're like, okay, instead of going the traditional route, let me go hard money. So how did you find your hard money lender? What made you even think of that concept?
0: Yeah. So I'll say that the two years between these deals, I was really just analyzing property. At this point, I had more of a investor's mindset. I would practice analyzing deals I was reading bigger pockets all the time, reading books. This was my, you know, this was my MBA real estate two year program that I just started to crunch knowledge. Gotcha. And to find my hard money lender, it was pretty easy. I just speed dialed dad. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My my dad is, and I'm very fortunate. So my dad is, uh, he's always taught me just get comfortable making offers. Yeah, you know, like if you've got an idea, throw it out there and see what people see what happens. Yep. Yeah. And so I used to have to write contracts and like, if I wanted an allowance uh, increase, I would literally have to write a contract out and give it to my dad about what I have to do more. So he's always been training me to, to do this. That, that's that's uh, so
1: excellent education, man. Excellent. Yeah.
0: And it's, um, I I'm very lucky to have that relationship and a lot of people aren't. So I, I definitely acknowledge that but this was his first hard money loan as well and since then today he's actually a hard money lender out in san diego okay he saw the the benefits of it i made sure to sit down and really explain here's what i buy it at here's what i fix it up the arv at the repair value how he makes his money and when he gets out and it we always make sure it's a good deal you know but if i always had the choice i'd i'd rather give my friends or family my money rather than a traditional stranger. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: So, so your dad was the hard money lender. Um, now was he very, very strict? What, what was the terms of his, of his agreement? How you said you had to put 25% down, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dad wanted his money. Yeah. That doesn't mess (laughs) around. Okay. 25% down (laughs) on 175. Um, how much did you put into it? Yeah. So real quick, I'm the second son,
0: so I have to work harder for his love. You know, the first God. son, he he
1: gets, he he gets his love right away. So I know it, Kenny, I'm the second son too, man. And, and I wear that. I try and wear it as a badge of honor, but it's hard being the second son. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we, we got
0: something common there. Definitely. Uh, but, but with him, uh, with him the the idea was just as long as I could communicate it to him. He he definitely he always pokes holes in my philosophy, um, to make sure I know what I'm doing. He's obviously not going to just give me money and let me fail. Yep. He's going to treat me like he would any other investor, any other uh, you know, business person, which is good. So I I kind of got sometimes it's a little frustrating, you Mm -hmm. know, where I'm like, well just let me fail. Like if you don't have to quiz me or test me all the way to the end. But I'm very grateful for for that tough love on it. Um, so before he ever made a deal, I mean, it was he had to be sold on it. every single time. He has to be sold on it that it's an actually good plan. That he has to have a nice return. Has to have a good exit on it.
1: That's perfect, man. That's 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 the real MBA education right there. You know, it's because yeah. your father was he was vetting all of your deals. You know, and and like you said, poking holes through it to make sure, hey, what happens if you can't exit this way? You know, what's the alternative? You know, what happens yep. if, you know, your rehab budget is double what you anticipated, you know. So that's that's excellent. I mean, and that's that's your mentor right there, your father and your mentor. He has a background um in being a business person. So that's that's great to have you. Definitely fortunate for that. So you're into this project. You're again. How much did you put into it as far as the rehab?
0: So I think I was in probably thirty to fifty. I'm trying to remember the exact number. Probably closer to forty, forty to fifty thousand. Okay. By the time I had carry costs and all the material, uh, the one nice thing that I had back in the day, so I I would do all the self labor. Okay. Self perform labor, which that's. 60% of your cost typically, especially today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worked in this is when I was working on the Marina Heights project, which I was, you know, I had a $5 million millwork contract, which is just an astronomical millwork contract. So I got free countertops. You know, I right. just call a guy, okay. and say, hey, I need some material, my flooring guy, you know, a couple of million dollar project. I'm like, I need flooring. And so I was able to utilize my relationships at that time, leverage it to, uh, I hate to sound selfish, but leverage it to my benefit over here. Um, and that, that helped me save some money as well.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's not that's not being selfish. That's being that's using wisdom. You know, if you have those relationships, you know, a fool wouldn't use those relationships. You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of contractors wish that they can just call up somebody and say, hey, you know what I need, you know, 14 linear feet of, of granite you know, <laughs> yeah. who, who wouldn't want that, you know, so that's great. And you were still doing the work yourself. So you was putting in that sweat equity. So it wasn't like it was free, you know, and so that's, that's great. You know, you, you, you have to leverage those relationships and build that rapport with those people. So you can leverage those relationships. And it's, it's not greedy, because on the back end, I'm pretty sure if those people asked you for something, you know, that you would reciprocate you know, that generosity back to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's a, so it's
0: a little bit different when they're a company too, because mm-hmm. you know, they work for you know, a bigger company who's getting tons and tons of business.
1: Right. I, it made me feel a little bit more comfortable. Okay. All right. So you're about 215K into this project. Um, it was going to be a rental. What were you going to yep. rent it at? What were you going to rent it at? How did you find your tenants? Because now it can't be your brother and your college roommate. You have to really get out here and find some tenants. So, let's go through that. How did you get these tenants and find them and everything?
0: So, I put it on Zillow, and we just—I ended up hosting it, doing an open house. Just set up cookies, get some nice soft jazz music in the background. Yeah, just really set the Mm -hmm. tone for it. And I would call this a kind of a C, right in the middle C, maybe C plushes. It's just kind of an older but more common rental area, mm-hmm. far enough away from the college. And we had the open house. People came through. Doing an open house always saves you time as well rather than having to do multiple, lists or multiple viewings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd rather just sit there all day and just kind of wait. Uh, I ended up, I think right away we had probably six or eight applicants. They were okay. all interested. Some of them, you know, try bargaining right away. Can you knock off a couple hundred dollars of rent? Sorry, yeah. can't do that. Typical. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and it, it came down to a couple, Chris and Kelly. And okay. actually I've broken every landlord rule there is because I introduced Kelly to my girlfriend, Shannon, and they're best friends now. Like, uh, we, all right. <laughs> like we, we flew out to their wedding in Houston. And I and I I met her I met Chris in person he grew up here but they were moving out of town from LA so I took a little bit of a leap of faith here, um, and went off of character of people as well and Chris is one of the nicest people in the world and Kelly I mean Kelly's sweetheart too uh, but you know when I first met Chris you just got real calm, cool energy Mm -hmm. from him and it's been great I mean we call El Rento. It was on El Camino. So we call it El Rento. Uh, they call it that as well. Okay. And it, it was all about just treating them right as well. And they turned out to be fantastic tenants.
1: And that, and as that's, that's, you, you hit something real key. You said you just have to treat your tenants right. You know, and I know, I know some people and I have actually invested in some properties. Like you were saying, uh, C I've even done like C minus D plus areas. And because you treat the tenants right, They have a higher level of standard for your property because of that relationship that you have with them and they have with you. So, Chris and Kelly, you found them. You broke every tenant landlord um, philosophy there is out there. (laughs) Um, How did? How were they paying rent? Were they paying rent directly to you? Were they were you using an online service? How was that going? Because this is your first. Um, rental with people that you don't know or didn't have a prior relationship with.
0: Yeah. And, that, and that's scary, right? I mean, it's, it's scary enough getting your first deal and then it's scary to go through the t- first tenant experience. I would say we, we ended up using, I think Chase Bank, Zelle. Okay. And, and that worked fine. You know, it just okay. set it up on auto and we got the check every month. And then, um, you know, the harder thing was to, and they always paid on time, luckily. And so we never had any awkward friend,
1: friend items going on. Gotcha. And that was going to be my next question. You know, how, how did you navigate, you know, if they didn't pay the rent? Well, luckily they, they paid. And so you were self-managing it. I'm assuming. Yep. Um, they were paying through Zelle online. How did they communicate with you? You know, any repairs or anything like that? Did they just say text Kenny So uh yeah, usually be over some beers, I guess if we're hanging out.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so the uh when you renovate a place, you're going to have a lot of repairs because I could do a punch list of a completed project, but it's not a living punch list. Like it's not a Mm living condition punch list. So all my renovations, I probably have more repairs in the first two months than the next two years yeah and it's all about just communicating with them and this is before we were friends but just saying hey guys if there's any problems please give me a call Um, you know i'll do my best to come over right away you have to address it and you know make sure that they trust you as well okay there was one time i had the water heater broke over there so i i learned my lesson on that one because the inspection report said you've got nine more months of this water heater and <laughs> yeah. i had it yeah i had it earmarked i was like month eight i'm going to go in and replace it uh-huh. and at month seven and a half you know it burst it went and out so it leaks yeah it leaks everywhere it was in the garage but it leaked inside the kitchen as well and this is just where communicating with people was key i actually worked with deal with chris uh to do the floor repairs because it was laminate floating okay. floors. And part of it was because I that was the worst thing I've ever done. Doing those floors were the worst thing I've ever done. And I didn't want to do them. Okay. so I figured if I could pay my own tenant to repair it, um, you know, it, it would be a it'd be a win-win situation. And we still joke around to this day because he says I bamboozled him into it. How do you know how difficult <laughs> it's gonna be? So, but it was uh, so I did all the maintenance stuff. One of my little tricks is you always give a welcome bag to people and, and occasionally Smart. I'll, Smart. I'll just, yeah. And then part of it is you give them cleaning materials and then on occasion, I haven't done this for a while, probably should, but I'll just go give them a $25 gift card to Lowe's, Lowe's or Home Depot. Mm-hmm. And then if they're out they're shopping and they need new light bulbs or they, like, they want paint touch up, a little twenty-five dollar, fifty-dollar gift card. People will utilize that, and even if they don't don't fix your house. They appreciate it as a token of gratitude. Absolutely. Um, or they fix it, and all of a sudden, you know, if they spend half of it to make the house nicer or take care of it themselves, it saves me time and it helps my my asset appreciate.
1: Yeah, yeah. And those small little, I, I wrote up. I wrote an article on Bigger Pockets. This was some years ago about some small little. Tips that I do to make tenants feel more comfortable and to make them feel, you know, just build that rapport with them. And that's, I didn't do the gift bags, but what I would have, I would have a list of all of the services that they would need, you know. So if it was Cox, here's the telephone number to Cox, here's the telephone number, you know, to the electric company, so on and so forth. And if you need this, hey, here's, here, here's all of the delivery places that deliver to this home. And I would do that. And then normally after year, you know, if they've been there for a while, after year, you know, three or four, I would come in and I would do something so simple, but people always thought it was a lot. I would change like the majority of the light switch covers. Light switch cover is a buck. You may have 20, 30 of them in your house. You know, so I'll go around and I would just change out some of the light fixture uh, covers, you know? So it's it's, like you said, it's those small little things to make people feel a lot more comfortable. So when they do have a repair that needs to be done, they know, okay, let me go in and, and make sure this repair is done. Because the worst thing that can happen is to have a tenant that's paying their rent, but they're not informing you about hey it's a leak under the sink or the toilet is is running excessively you know so man kudos to you that was that's a smart thing I'm, i may have to incorporate that having that that gift bag ready <laughs> yeah yeah especially when they're moving out
0: you know they give them the proper cleaning supplies mm-hmm. you know even even if it's used or you know shared you take it from right. one house take it to the next because my philosophy is you always have to help people and if I tell them if you can clean it up when you move out and it's as ready, or you know, ready to move in condition. I don't need to hire a cleaning crew, but here's the cleaning materials
1: to make sure you do it properly. Yep. Yep. Okay. So uh we talked about hard money, we talked about uh two of your rentals. What do you think which property or which transaction had the biggest impact, you know, on your career as a real estate investor?
0: So, I'd have to say my first one, and for obvious reasons, just it's your first one, but more and more importantly, I bought it at the right time, and it's actually been pretty good cash flow as well, and that's just opened the door for so many new opportunities for me and because it was successful, it gave me the, the courage and the confidence to want to continue to do this as well.
1: Okay, all right, so your first deal was your biggest success now tell me man it sounds like everything has been you know roses peaches and cream tell me you know give me something that that made you really question you know your position as a real estate investor tell me that hard deal or that hard transaction or you know that hard situation with your tenants with my tenants
0: i had one that wasn't necessarily it was associated with the real estate company, the technology side, but I'm pretty lucky most of it's gone pretty well. My turnovers go pretty smoothly. I will say two ones really short. The first one is I learned a lesson that college kids like to make bets that they can punch through both sides of a drywall, so that oh, was really? <laughs> like the, that was the biggest repair I've ever had to do um but I actually had another property. This is probably the most frustrating thing I've had to do in real estate in Arizona. Of course they move out in August. Mm -hmm. I was out of town, I think for a week or two, they move out and they say they left it in clean condition, which was completely false. These, I, they were younger just postgraduate guys. Okay. And I was out of town. They turned the power off. So I hurry up, I cleaned it. I get it ready to show. And it's not renting. And I ended up taking about two months for this place to, to lease up. I don't have a sense of smell, when, uh-huh. which is important to know because this lady one day opens up the refrigerator in the freezer, shuts it, and I could smell whatever came out of this thing. It was horrendous. So it turns out the guys, and I missed this on my checklist as well, but they turned the power off. And they left all the food in there. Oh, they left my 10 God. Pounds. Yeah, they left 10 pounds of frozen ground beef in the freezer. And it thawed all the way down outside the refrigerator. And as soon as you opened it, it was probably the most foul smell I've ever smelled, which is few, far and few in between. Wow, wow. Yeah. And then I was trying to, I learned my lesson here. I, I, used, I always try to be nice to my tenants. You treat mm-hmm. me right, I treat you right. I don't mind doing maintenance work. I don't mind doing a little bit of you know, drywall if it's like fixing a couple of holes or like a little pinholes holes or screw uh-huh. holes, as long as it's nothing major. So I was cleaning this house, getting it all ready. I cleaned that refrigerator for probably 12 hours over three days. I had gas mask on. I had bleach and we still couldn't get the smell out. And I told the tenants that, you know, I'm taking it out of their deductible my time for all this and they argued The guy was a law student and tried throwing some uh, some law
1: legal jargon <laughs> Yep, yeah
0: quote unquote we left in good faith as is condition I'm like no not even uh-huh. but so i learned my lesson i just said all right i'm done doing this i was trying to save you guys money because i've been 24 25 years old myself and i know how much getting 500 bucks back means and i just said all right you know what? You left in a terrible condition. I've now lost a month of lease. I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to go buy a brand new refrigerator, have all handyman come in here. And I mean, I went over the security deposit, but you know, they got nothing back. They kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And now, unfortunately, my, my rule is if it's not ready, I'm not going to do it anymore. I need to just hire somebody to come in, handle it, um, I still don't mind if they're great tenants to give them the benefit of the doubt, give them the opportunity to even fix it themselves. Uh, if it's just little small things like an hour or two, but if it's mm-hmm. going to take more than that, that's, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Cause bad.
1: you don't want to spend your time, you know, doing a job that someone that, that can do it that's being paid eight, fifty, nine, ten 10 bucks an hour, yeah. you know, to do it. So uh, kind of wrapping up here. I know you have, As a landlord, you have some systems that you have in place. Tell me about what you have that's called the Burbs. I know you have a proprietary software for real estate investors and landlords that they can use. Kind of introduce that to to the community. Let us know what is it, man, and how can we find it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to share it. Um, So Burbs, the Burbs, Burbs, it is free software for landlords and we provide tools for rent collection, tenant screening, and maintenance ticketing. Okay. So really, we're driven by a simple, two simple values. Our goal is to reduce management fees in the long term by 20 to 35%, so more people will hire property management or do a better job. And then the other goal is to improve the quality of management. We look at Burbs as community, as part of the name Burbs, Suburbs, big okay. mm-hmm. community. And in the long run, the goal is to really help everybody save money, live better. Um, the tenants, we wanna give them a good experience because we all know that renting's not always the best. And we're hopefully coming up soon, we're gonna be able to allow you to report your rent to the credit bureau. Okay. So now we're helping tenants start to build up their own credits, um, which helps them buy more houses or is just generally good for them as well. And so we're helping landlords anybody who's got rental properties anywhere from a single family home to a quadplex up and above and we're always adding more key features we're really excited about our co-managing opportunities as well
1: okay and
0: yeah so you so, can check us out
1: yeah so that's that's burbs b u r z um no b u r b z correct correct okay b u r b z um that's Burbs. Now, how are you, this software, you said, it's free to landlords. You know, how's, how is that? How
0: <laughs> Yeah, my question. Good question. Yeah.
1: So we look at this and we
0: say, what are the basic elements that you need to be a property manager or a landlord self-managing? Let's give those elements away for free. There are minor side benefits that we do charge on. Okay. So for example, if you, so rent collection is free. What happens is if your tenants pay by direct deposit, they do the ACH, you mm-hmm. know, bank to bank, that's free. If they decide to pay by credit card, there's a transaction fee, but it's paid by the tenant. Okay. Uh, screening reports as well. Screening reports are paid by the tenant. So the nice thing is you don't have to collect their money on it. The tenants or the applicants, they know that you're spending the money on what you said it was, screening okay. reports. Yep. And then we will offer, we offer, oh man, we rental estimates, legal documents. Those are all things that they're above and beyond and everything that we call all cart property management. You can pick and choose what you want, when you want to use it and who you want to work
1: with. Now is is this just for um, Arizona? Is this nationwide? Are you planning on going nationwide with it? That's a beautiful thing about real estate. We,
0: we want to go nationwide with this. We are focused in Arizona, Southern California right now, but software is really easy to apply everywhere and landlords can be from anywhere and own anywhere. So, I mean, for example, I know you've got property out of state.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So I'll make sure I, you know, put the information down in the show notes about the burbs, B U R B Z. Um, that way the listeners can go and take a look at it, check out, check it out and see if it's something that they will be interested in. I know there's quite a few different um rent collection companies and things like that when it comes to landlords. But, you know, if the proprietary software is being used here in Arizona and, and SoCal, you know, I think the people should definitely take a look at it and see if it's something that will fit their needs, man. So so that's really, really great. So Tell me, what's next? Are you looking to buy more rentals or you're focusing on, focusing on your entrepreneurial uh, endeavor with Burbs? Kind of where, where are you going, Kenny?
0: So I'm doing both right now. I've actually used my passive income to help me. We're bootstrapping Burbs, which is tough to do. A lot yep, of startups yep. look for money. That's not really the way we work. Um, so we're going to continue working on Burbs, trying to grow this out. But at the end of the day, I still love real estate. It's been hard for me to sit on the sideline. Um, we look at this as an opportunity really in the long picture. I think if we can take care of more people. My network will expand and, and I can benefit in the long term. Uh, we really want to work on the customer solutions. So okay. you mentioned we do have a lot of competition. One of the things I love to share about us is, you know, any all of our users can call me up anytime. You know, I talked to Darlington. He sends me deals. He's an LA user. I went out to LA, had dinner to meet him and he still sends me deals I'm and we, we converse I teach him about different opportunities different options and everything he can do um, so I'm okay. still heavily involved in at least that conversation but then my girlfriend and I actually decided recently to start the Airbnb arbit, arbitrage style where you rent a house out with the understanding that we're going to Airbnb it and then make money essentially okay. you, you manage it at that yep. point so she, I'm a deal person, and I'm a creative person, and I love numbers, but she's a host. She okay. loves taking care of people. So for us, it makes sense to team up and do something we can be great at. So we started that recently, just driving around. Um, I'm having to teach my girlfriend all about real
1: estate. What to look you know, for, why,
0: huh? Yeah, why property managers don't answer the phone on Sundays.
1: Okay. Hey, and that's, that's good, man, especially when you have, you know, a partner that's willing to dive into real estate with you. You know, not everybody is fortunate to have that, you know, some, some husbands or wives, their significant other is like, okay, well, you do that. I do this? But whenever you can marry it and tie it together, you know, and work as a team, it's definitely a benefit, man. So we're going to jump right in Kenny and this next round is going to be our hot seat question. So Kenny, we're going to put you on a hot seat, the hot seat, the hot seat. So these next few questions, man, try and answer them as quick as you can. As quick as you can. Um, so starting over, what would you do different? I would probably be more comfortable knowing who I am and accepting it. Okay, great. What is your greatest commodity outside of capital?
0: My greatest commodity outside of capital uh, would be my curiosity.
1: Okay. What is one thing you could do to be more productive?
0: Oh, man. I try really hard to be productive. I need to get better at this thing. I use this little timer.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: and, it, and it just, if I get on Facebook, I set it to five minutes, but I only remember about 50, 60% of the time. So if I can set that timer more often, I, I will be more
1: productive. Okay. I use something that's called Pomodoro's Pomodoro's again, it's with the timer you have, you block out your hours of the day, you know, and then once you get an one hour completed, you can set that timer and reward yourself with five minutes of Facebook and Instagram time. So that's something you can look up Pomodoro's. Um, What drives your ambition?
0: I want to be successful and I want to be viewed as being
1: successful. Okay. Shallow. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. And what do you believe is your greatest challenge, internal or external? For
0: me, it's internal. It's just having that confidence to know you can go out and fail and then recover and do it again. Okay. And what is the
1: latest business book you've read?
0: I just finished this one today,
1: the Zappos Delivering Happiness, and it's a really good book really good. Okay. Book. Zappos delivering happiness. Okay. And then what's the latest real estate book you've read? So I haven't read real estate books in a
0: while to be, to be completely honest. Okay. The, uh, I did read one. It was like repositioning multifamily and I read it about four or five years ago. And I had, I gave a book to somebody. I don't remember who, unfortunately, but that okay. was probably one of the
1: last ones, but also one of the best ones I've read all right so kenny before we wrap up man is there one last thing you want to let our listeners know
0: yeah if you guys want to check us out our website's theburbs.com t-h-e-b-u-r-b-z.com we spell it with a z to be trendy and you can check us out facebook linkedin and twitter we're always posting new content we would love for people to come talk to us tell us what your problems are we're all about creating solutions for your problems as well as talking
1: about real estate strategy. Okay. So that's great guys. I'll make sure I have all of that information, all of the social media links in the show notes. That way you can get with Kenny and maybe Kenny can solve some problems for you. So guys, I want to thank you. Thank you, Kenny, again for being here and sharing with the, we love equity real estate show family and we are going to sign off. So thank you again, Kenny. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com. Also, youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.